fun. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're ready to rock and roll. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up playing some video games, and my mom always said, that'll rot your eyes out. It's never going to get you anywhere. Well, times have changed, haven't they? If you guys like playing video games, you want to know how to make some coin, then this episode's for you. Let's do this. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you and welcome to another episode of Business Plus. Alright ladies and gents, look, gaming used to only be for fun. Today's gamers are earning a living and doing what they are earning a living doing what they love to do. Argus is taking that idea to a whole new level. Pun intended. They have a vision of bringing blockchain gaming to the masses by creating fun games, dropping barriers of entry, and providing value to its token holders. So if you're into real-time strategy, role-playing, tower defense, survival, First person shooter, my personal favorite, and want to learn how you can get started earning coin while playing these games, and this episode's for you. Let's welcome to the show from playing.co, Matt Lobo. I warned you, man. We were going to have some fun today, man. Welcome to the program. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. And man, I'm just looking for all them people dancing because that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, gaming, dude. Let me know, man. What's your story? Like, how did you get out of mom's grips and let you, how did she let you play video games until you were a full blown adult, dude? Oh, you know, uh, I, I, this is a third career for me. So uh, I'm, I'm just like being blessed to be able to do this. I mean, we all grew up playing video games, right? I mean, it's like, and then to, to say, well, I'm going to make a living playing video games is, is uh, insane. Now I get the privilege of designing video games and creating a platform for them to be played on. And, and that to me is like uh, super fun because it's all the creativity and the fun that you get from playing games and then amped up one more level. So what's the difference, man? What's the difference? I mean, a game is a game is a game is a game, right? Supposedly. But you always have different consoles. You got different platforms. Most recently, uh, my kids have been playing a, a Fortnite for the last few years, actually. Uh, but it, it became something that's super cool. When I was when I was really into video games, I was playing Halo, and there was no way you would cross platforms. Like if you were on Xbox or Call of Duty, for example, if you were on Xbox, you couldn't play with people who were on PlayStation. Now everything's starting to get integrated. What's the difference between playing those games and the games that you're creating? Well, actually, our, our games are going to be cross-platform. So um, really what's changed is not like what you play on. It's more of just like now, what's your preference? For example, like PUBG, you could play that on a, on a mobile device. You could play that uh, in a number of different devices. And, and that's because programming has gotten so advanced now that you can code once and then with a little bit of UI changes and that sort of thing you can deliver pretty much anywhere. We could deliver the games we're building, we could deliver them on browser. We're going to uh, deliver them on desktop and on mobile devices. Uh, 
But you know, with uh, with a little bit of UI adjustment and uh, some control adjustment, we could deliver it just as easily on consoles too. Um, we're just choosing not to deliver these particular games on console. And why is that? What, what's the what's the holdback on on going console versus? I mean, I can I can understand the mobile and the desktop, right? I mean, most people have those handheld with them attached to their hip at all times, but why not the console? Well, it's a couple of different things. First of all, it's a closed ecosystem. Like, mm. you know, if you deliver on an Xbox, you deliver on Nintendo, you have a very tightly controlled ecosystem. I don't blame the console developers. That's that's smart. That's like how you control quality, how you, you know, keep things in line. But from a developer standpoint, um, some titles will make sense to go on a, on a platform like that and some won't. And I will say, once you get into crypto and, and play to earn and that sort of things, the consoles either don't allow it or they're going to lock it down to what they're trying to develop, uh, from that perspective. So that's why you really don't see that crossing into the consoles. You do see console stuff crossing out, but you don't see it generally going the other way. All right, man. One of uh, one of the movies I watched over and over again, Ready Player One. Uh, this is uh, similar to like Free Guy, right? Where we're going to uh, be a part of these games, whether it's in VR or or you know you put on some glasses and it becomes part of your reality, augmented reality. Um, what what type of connection is what you're setting up going to have with that future that is inevitably around the corner? Yeah, so. That to me, and and now you're like you're talking about future possibilities, and that's so exciting to me. To me, this is step one. Like play in stage one is establish a uh, play to earn ecosystem that can actually last. Like what's currently out there is is fly <clears throat> fly by night. It's not gonna. It can't economically last. Like you have to have an economic model that's going to be able to continue from now into the future, and not just when people are pouring money in. But when people decide to take the money out, and that's what's what's pro problematic about the current say, uh, slate of play to earn games. But to me, it's not about the play to earn. It's about creating this environment like you have a live economy, you have live games. And when I say we're creating an ecosystem, we're building all of these games on top of a platform that's going to include a metaverse. Mm. And yeah, I know everybody's throwing around metaverse right now. Everybody's throwing around play to earn. But here's the thing. Our vision is that when you get into this metaverse, you're going to literally be hanging out with your friends and able to launch games from within the metaverse. So it's not the destination. It's the portal to everything else. Me personally, like version two, three, four of playing is completely blending games and reality. And, and that's what I find so exciting. It's like, you know, being able to launch a game and just play it right there with your friends in, in AR um, or being remote and being able to do it with VR. I mean, it's it, it's definitely where everything is going. And the only question is who gets to lead the charge going there? Let's talk about play to earn. Let's, let's kind of define that because I think everybody has kind of a different idea as to what that is and how it's going to play out. Uh, I knew I know recently in the last couple of years when uh, iOS did its thing and they had uh, Fortnite, uh, Fortnite and, and, and Apple started having this feud about where you pay for things on the platform and who's generating the revenue and who's benefiting from all that. 
what is play to earn and how are we kind of seeing it now and how, how do you envision it? Okay. And, and that's a great way to set up that question because I'll tell you what, um, how it is right now is nothing like it's going to be in the future. In my opinion, right now, it's just flat out gambling. Like take, for example, Axie, which is the biggest play to earn game uh, on web three. I mean, it just flat out is 8 million players. I think, uh, you know, they're, they're generating tons of revenue to just be competitive on there. Like if you want to get in the game and be competitive, you're dropping a thousand bucks because you have to create a team that's going to be competitive and you have to buy them. To me, that's, that's not play to earn. That's, that's pay to earn. Um, yeah. You know? And, and what, what's crazy about it is you get into the game and I don't know if you've ever seen Axie, but if you start playing that, you're going to be like, holy cow, this is like from 2000. I mean, mm. the gameplay sucks. Um, and, and most of these games, they're, they're not developed by game developers. They're developed by programmers who decided, man, you know, this is a really cool concept and we could build a game around it. Let's hire an artist buddy of ours and create these uh, these cards and these this, this kind of like 80s, 90s card game. Um, so it's gambling. It's, hey, you pay in money and then you might you might win some money. Um, and that's why they do guilds in Southeast Asia where like they just pay in, you know, money to the guild. The guild gives them the cards. Then they go and they just grind. And that's all it is. It's grind. So play in totally different concept, free to play, um, first of all, because we're generating revenue in a traditional gaming model. Like we're not trying to reinvent how you make, people know how you make money in games and, and loot boxes are out. Like that's old school making money in games. You mentioned Fortnite. Uh, I would also say PUBG. These games have shown that really the best way to make money is to do a subscription and to sell cosmetics. Hmm. It's that easy. You make money. Now, here's where we differ. And here's where we become play to earn. If you're in a game and something drops in the game, an item, and you're like, man, this is a really cool item, but I just can't use it. Like, it's not, it's not my play style. It's not something that'll help me. You go to our auction house and every game is going to have an auction house. You drop that item in the auction house other players bid on it. You get uh, you get the money. I mean, you get ninety percent of the money. We get an auction house fee coming out of there, but um, that's how we make additional money. So our company makes additional money. You make money off of selling an item that you just happen to get in the game as a natural course of playing the game. So what we look at is is the game fun? If the game's fun, people are going to be in there. They're going to be playing it. And then we say, okay, your reward for playing it is that items that you find in there, you can sell. And we take it one step further. And I don't know of anybody really doing this right now, but you can sell what we call your persona, which is your actual player's uh, uh, account in the game. So let's be honest. Nobody plays a game forever. No. You know? You get sick of the game after a year, you want to move on to another game in our ecosystem or out of our ecosystem, sell your account. 
That's super cool. Cause you know, there there are a lot of people out there that are just good at building their profiles. They're like, hey, I want to start mm-hmm. over. Start from zero, build up a profile. They get to a certain point and they're like, okay, well, let's start over. And what do you do with that? It just kind of sits. And you're talking about being able to sell an entire profile. So all yeah. the items that you have, all the costumes and cosmetics that you've gotten in the past. So when you talk about you know grinding and, and getting these things. Do you have the capability of being able to buy some of these items while also finding them and earning them in the game? Yes, yes, absolutely. And that goes back to the auction house. So if you join the game and you're like, man, you know, everybody's like a superhero in this, like they're they're killing it. And and I'm just a newbie, but, um, you know, I want to maybe climb a little faster into being competitive. Um, then yeah, you can, you can buy items in the auction house to become competitive more quickly. Now our game dynamics though, are always going to be set up so that really pay to win is not a big factor in that. Um, what I would say more is pay to be competitive if you will. Um, but you, you know, that's going to be different from game to game to game, like in the real time strategy, uh, genre, Buying an item will certainly help you to compete and will certainly, uh, you know, help you advance quicker. But um, where you really get paid to win in that genre is people buying troops and when and killing them off like they don't care about them and then continuing buying, buying, recharging. You literally in some of these games, you can watch somebody attack you and they go to like zero combat ability and then you just see it rise right back up as they start using their credit card (laughs) Uh, it's crazy um but that's that's the dynamic in real-time strategy that you have to eliminate to eliminate um pay to win and we're doing that and each genre is a little bit different so we're going to take a lot of care to make sure that the rules uh don't allow that like in our game if you try and recharge your troops uh, more than one time a day uh, there, you're going to get a message that'll be just kind of funny and like, my Lord, I'm sorry. There's no one who will fight for you right now. <laughs> you're stuck, man. Look, exactly. man, even digital troops need a rest, dude. You put them, to, you put them to, to the, to the, man, you send them to the wolves. You just got to let them heal for a little while. So relax, put that credit card away. Well, let's talk I, about, I, you, you mentioned cosmetics, right? So, yeah. so something that's really big right now is the NFT space. And people are like, how are you going to use these NFTs in a digital world? And, and I feel like video games is one of those great places where you can create things and utilize, create your own brands, create your own uh, guilds, create your own teams, whatever. And, and some of these NFTs have access. How does that play out in playing? Yeah. And so that's a great question. Um, really, from the way I've kind of described things, you can tell there's a sort of that NFT ownership aspect to these objects, but they're not strictly speaking NFTs in the way that you we think of them. See, the, the problem is NFTs have been kind of overblown and, and they wind up becoming a sales pitch that, that really doesn't uh, come to fruition for the players. What it really does is it enriches companies. And, and that's just flat out truth. And, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I tell people that all the time and they're like, what do you mean? And let me give you the, the best example I can. If I set up to, said to you and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to sell you a Ferrari. And you're like, Ooh. okay, cool. Yeah, I like Ferraris. You're like, Here's the catch. You can't take that Ferrari out of my garage. Well, I don't know about that one. All of a sudden, that Ferrari doesn't sound so cool. It doesn't sound like it's mine at all. It sounds like it's no. yours. 
but that's an NFT. Like here, you can have this NFT, but it's only good really for our game and for our server. So what happens if that game starts to suck and people leave? Your NFT value goes way down. You have no way to use that NFT anywhere else. Uh, so now you're stuck with showing somebody your phone. Hey, look at my cool NFT. <laughs> I, yeah. I paid 500 bucks for that. Um, huh? In, huh? In I have the key Ferrari, but it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> in playing, when you have things that you own in the games, we're looking at, at making objects transportable. So, for example, you get a really cool sword in Darkland Wars. You go to our metaverse. Now you can show your sword to your friends who don't play Darkland Wars in a virtual environment. Hey, check out my flaming sword. This is really cool. Now, beyond that, let's say that, that we put out a, uh, a Western game, a Western-themed game. Now you take that sword and you're like, you know, it's a really cool sword, but I got nothing in my Western game. Let me transfer that sword into my Western game now. In order to keep the game pure, it's not going to come in as a sword, although I guess it could come in as a cavalry sword, you know, but it could come in as a six shooter that shoots out flames when it, uh, when it. So from a game development standpoint, we're having fun with that because it's like you got to reimagine objects, you know, in different areas. But from a player perspective, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I really own this thing and I can do things with it outside of what you would expect in uh, in all the other games. So transportability of objects is like a real big key for us. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you're able to take your stuff to the auction block. You're able to sell things. You're able to earn 90 percent of that revenue coming in. Um, help me explain to people who never done Web 3.0, never played anything like this uh, on a blockchain, What's the difference between earning coins and actually having dollars that they can, you know, pay some bills with? Right. And that's that's a pretty good question. Um, from a crypto standpoint, um, we have to think of it, you know, the easiest way for people who aren't familiar with crypto to think of this is it's like another currency. So like just like you could exchange Japanese yen for U.S. dollars or, you know, pesos for dollars, uh, you can exchange crypto for what we call fiat, which would be dollars or whatever native currencies in real life there are. Uh, and you have to do it through an exchange. Um, you know, so there is a little bit of process to it. And that is not something we, we will on-ramp people with uh, crypto. In other words, you have a credit card, you want to buy some uh, game gold, which is our currency. We can on-ramp. Once you're on-ramped, to come back out, you would have to do a swap or an exchange. Uh, it's actually a pretty simple process. Um, I do it all the time on, on business, but I won't try and fool anybody and say that, you know, there's not a little bit of a learning curve in there. But what we intend to do is we're going to minimize as many of those learning curves as possible by putting up documentation and trying to help people walk through. Um, but the bottom line is, is when you have crypto, you keep it in what's called a wallet and the wallet is connected and secured. And so, you know, the, the value in there, um, you basically, you have a record of it. That is what we call in, in the blockchain business is immutable. It can't be changed. Um, in our case, we're going to be securing that record, not just on one blockchain, but on multiple blockchains, because, um, 
as scary as it is for a game developer, like we're not game developers, we're banks. And, mm. uh, and, and that's what it really comes down to in terms of, of uh, you know, trying to secure a player's assets. Like if any game company, well, here's the big deal. Uh, Axie International, or not International, Axie uh, got hacked uh, internationally for $650 million, I believe. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and it's because they didn't realize they were a bank. I mean, I can't think of any other reason. They had lax security um, and they didn't realize they had a fiduciary responsibility to their players. But oh, uh, hell no. Yeah, Steve, exactly, exactly, man. <laughs> and, and just for those of you who don't know, that fiduciary responsibility means you're literally giving them access to your funds, whether it's a credit card or your bank account or whatever it is, and they're responsible for maintaining the security on that. That's that's really what the fiduciary is, right? It, it is, and in this case, instead of a bank account, it's a wallet. Um, you know, we have the ability to, uh, upon request of the user, take money out and put money into that wallet. Um, and, uh, and so it's, yeah, it's like, it's huge. I, I've still got that clip running through my head, <laughs> but you know, that had to have been the reaction of, of the guys at Axie when they woke up that morning and somebody said they'd been, they'd been robbed basically. But, um, and I know what happened, man. I mean, it's like, this is a young industry and, and they got into it for all the reasons I explained before. And uh, they decided they were going to have nine what we call validation nodes and that only four of them had to agree to do a transfer. And then they compounded their stupidity by putting $650 million uh, worth of coin in a wallet that somebody could access. So somebody hacked one of the validators and then replicated the process for four or three more. $650 million later, um, somebody Ooh. woke up. Hell no. <laughs> and you know what, though? On the bright side, somebody made the mistake already, right? So all the rules, every time in business, I, I, you know, you have standard operating procedures, right? My brother always said, he was a Navy guy. He's like, all the rules in the Navy are written in blood. Somebody made a mistake. Somebody got hurt. And that became a rule that we had to take care of. So, you know, 650 million, just be happy it wasn't your 650. But you learned the lesson to make sure that you got, you got stuff uh, encrypted and taken care of so that it doesn't happen again. Because there, that's one of the things about blockchain is we're always talking about how secure it is, but there are ways around some of those security features, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, it, it is super secure because you have these records written. Um, but I mean, the, the problem was, was really how they set it up. It, it wasn't really even so much that these were brilliant hackers. They were good hackers that figured out how to access a node, and then they just replicated it for three more nodes. Um, but Axie should be embarrassed because they set up their system that way. And and I know what happened is they they did it initially, and they always meant. I guarantee you, they always meant to come back and and make it better. Like, but they're like, oh man, look at all the money rolling in. Uh, you know, we'll do that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. <laughs> well, it came too soon. One or the other. Yeah, a little premature uh, 650 mil gone. All right. Well, tell me about where playing is today. Where is it at today? And, and where do you see it in the, in the near future? Yeah. So we're in active development of our first game, Dark Lim Wars. It's in uh, pre-alpha stage. It's getting pretty close to getting into alpha. And uh, 
we're looking at a launch in 2023 first quarter. Um, along with the launch of Darkland Wars will be our uh, our backbone, essentially our three APIs for the uh, for the blockchain. So that'll all launch simultaneously. Uh, you know, we're doing design and development on the uh, on the APIs right now. Uh, active development on our first game. And once we do that, we're going to uh, finish out a token launch and we're going to do that. Right now we're going through private um, private sales on tokens and our public launch, I should say, is going to coincide with the launch of Dark Lim Wars. Uh, once we do that, uh, our roadmap calls for uh, basically acquiring small indie developers and acquiring, acquiring properties and filling out our, our roster that way. So um, we're looking in the end to have 60 games that are all interoperable, that are all on the same blockchain network. And uh, there will be uh, you know, a variety of different, as you alluded to at the very beginning of the show, a variety of different uh, types of games. Uh, we're looking at you know, uh, some variations on the uh, PUBG, uh, Fortnite type of uh, game. We've got a really cool one uh, that's going to be... Uh, animal-based called Medieval Tales, and it will be spells and sorcery instead of AK-47s and grenades. Um, nice. <laughs> and then, you know, tower defense. I mean, just every, every. Um, I guess where we draw the line is it'll be every PvP style game. Um, and that's just because I love PvP. I mean... <laughs> and you gotta play with people, man. People's, yeah. people's is the way you work, dude. Like, I, I and, and this is gonna age me, but I remember playing Halo and we would have to bring, like, well, our friends would bring their TVs over and we'd have land wires sticking out of every single room and that's how we set it up, man. Every time you play with people, it's just that much better. Like, that's that's the way, that's the way it's done. So you're doing a, you're, you're doing a coin launch. Um, if people want to get involved with stuff like that ahead of time, or maybe they're developers, I feel like you're taking that almost the Netflix approach, right? Netflix is, is all about buying up all these different shows that maybe win a season or two and then kind of gives them a little push. And I feel like that's kind of the feeling I'm getting here with, with once you launch that first game, it's like, hey, you're a developer, you got a game in works, come on, let's start talking about bringing these to fruition. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of at this point anyway. Uh, Matt at playin.co uh, is my email address and they can just message me directly. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, with the developers, uh, you know, once we do our token launch, we're going to look to, uh, to partner with uh, developers. In some cases, that might mean that you're buying a property from them. In some cases, it's a revenue share. In some cases, we might buy the whole developer if that's what, you know, really it calls for in the situation but yeah man we're trying to uh push out 60 games we're not going to do that all on our own so uh, we've got four games in the pipe in-house and uh so we got room for 56 others to come along <laughs> dude how, how long does it take for a, a game to be developed i mean earlier you talked about how coding and and the programming part has gotten so much better over time uh, but still, like if I if you're gonna come up with a game from scratch or or you know like what's the time frame from like idea to actually getting it done when, when you have a team obviously if you're solo crew is gonna take you longer but but what do you what's your time frame usually when you're thinking about launching a game? Uh, there is no usually because uh, it really depends on the genre like mm. how deep is the game um, the design probably about six months to to get the design document to the point where it needs to be. Um, usually I, I would say 
a good rule of thumb for a modestly complex game would be two years to three years. Mm. Um, if you're talking about a very simple style game, you could push one out in six months. It just really depends on, on, you know, the complexity. And then some games it's, it's much longer uh, than even two, three years. If you're talking about a highly complex, like massively multiplayer role-playing game, that's a long time. <laughs> what kind of uh, what kind of background do you need to get into game development? Are you looking for like people who are programmers? Or are you looking for also beta testers for game like people who just want to play new games? There, there's people who are like, dude, I want to beta test this thing. Tell you all the stuff that I find wrong with it. Yeah, well, we're we're open to folks testing. We have a, a group of testers right now, and all people have to do is come to our website, uh, playin.co and click on the games tab they'll see the first game there and it says i believe right on there sign up to test so that's really all they need to do is then sign up and uh join our discord uh which they'll be able to link to from that and uh they're on their way to testing as far as getting into it as a career uh really just depends where you're gifted i mean artists are always in demand um if somebody wants to learn uh, you know, and, and they're looking at it like, what's my career? Well, learn how to, you know, model 3D art and learn how to do it in a very efficient way and you'll get work. Uh, if you're a programmer, you know, start uh, learning C Sharp because that's uh, what Unity uh, builds in and C Sharp is, I'm sorry, and Unity is really the go-to right now. Um, you know, there's a couple of other high profile engines, but Unity I just see as one of the top as far as the number of jobs out there. Man, man, you guys are doing some amazing things. I'd say you're changing the world, but it's more like you're changing the metaverse, right? Like it's not really the actual world, but it's still kind of the world. It's like the matrix, man. If you change my mind, you've changed my world. That's how I see it. All right, man, uh, one last thing, dude, I gotta ask you. Um, I, you. You've probably been on podcast tours. You're getting the message out there as best you can, but what was your experience like on the business bros? <laughs> well, I've never had anybody run a Steve Harvey clip. So, man, that is like, that's <laughs> off the chart fun. <laughs> he ain't lying. No, he's not. <laughs> oh, man, you are you are fast with the clips. I love that. No, that, that, that's fun to me because, man, there's nothing worse than going on a dry show. Dude, totally, man, totally. Well, man, like, like I said, you guys are doing some amazing things. Ladies and gentlemen, look, I know you keep telling your kids to get off the screen, but the truth of the matter is in the future, it's not less screens that they're going to be on. It's more screens that they're going to be on. And the way you and I interacted as kids is not the way they interact as kids. They're still being social. It's just a little different. So it's time for you to kind of uh, wake up to what the world is coming into. And maybe instead of standing in the way of what your kids are doing, maybe you push them into a career that they'll love to do. Because at the end of the day, they hate waking up on Sunday morning or on Monday morning because they, they hate their job and they look forward to Fridays. They are not very happy. But the kid that wakes up wanting to play video games and can earn a living, that kid's having a smile on his face every single day. He don't even want to go to sleep because he's doing so much fun stuff. That's probably Matt. Matt don't like sleeping. He just wants to get on there and do his thing. So make sure you guys check it out. Playin.co. That's P-L-A-Y-N.co. Go check it out. Maybe become a beta tester. If you're into the game creation, maybe you can join the team. They're looking to launch 60 games here in the near future. Playin.co, playin.co. Matt, thank you very much for being on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home.
Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.